0: Welcome to When We Speak where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence. We heal by speaking out. So today I have my friend, Kena Reed here. Kena, if you would uh, tell our listeners who you are, just kind of introduce yourself.
1: You know, I'm going to try to act right on your, on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Kena Reed. And okay. I don't know why I'm so tickled. And this is just who we are. I, just like, I am the I don't, you know, I don't <laughs> yeah, so I do I, I I know some things, I read some books. I don't know. I, I'm an educator, I'm a, a thought leader. Um, you know, I laugh and tell people I get a paycheck for ending racism. But I'm a DEI practitioner, consultant facilitator. I'm also the curators behind the Anti-Blackness Reader Project and Divesting from Whiteness. Um, so those are all the things that probably matter for this conversation. Um, but other things, you know, I'm the aunt of great of eight great kids. Uh, books are my friends i've i have a dog named sammy who sits under my desk while i record podcasts like this so i mean i'm a lot of things i'd like to think to a couple people who matter but most of all i'm on your podcast because you're my friend and so yay yeah 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 yeah.
0: (laughs) when you said i'm a thought leader i said bitch you so are (laughs) You so are, you know.
1: i spend so much time thinking, Tasha. Like, so much time. And, like, it's it's like Jay-Z has this line where he talks about the gift and the curse. And so I always tell people, it's most likely that your superpower is also your kryptonite, right? I think a lot. And so sometimes I get stuck in my thoughts and what manifests. Some things don't manifest because it's, you know, I'm in my brain a lot. Like, so today I was, how did the young people say I was this days old or this whatever old when I realized something, I was going to go pick up breakfast, um, at a new black owned restaurant here in town. And it's a new part. It's a town that I'm a part of town. I'm not aware of, but it's distinctly black. Right. And I get stopped at the railroad and It's one minute, two minute, three minutes, whatever. It's a railroad crossing. 10 minutes later, I'm still at this railroad crossing. The train hasn't stopped. I'm looking at my surroundings and I realize I've only ever been stopped at a railroad crossing in either a place that's considered super, super rural, like out in the country, or super, super urban, where black, brown, and poor people live just dawned on me today. Mm. And then I started thinking, reason 1,722 why I deserve reparations. Because the, like, call racism, which I'm just starting real heavy, I guess, whatever. Do it, yes. Call call institutionalized racism, whatever you want to call it, but don't not call it effective. Because it is a beautifully well-designed machine. It is so, I mean, it's, it's a sustainable enterprise. Architectural, infrastructural design reinforces racial hierarchy. That means you build bridges that are so low in New York City that city buses can't get under them. That means you place the in you place the interstates in black neighborhoods that drives down the value of the land. It means you place the railroad crossing where black people live, what makes it that much harder to like vertically climb up in your institution because you've been late three times in the last three months. I can't help that I'm late three times because hell, there's a train sitting in my neighborhood that I can't get across. I mean the gift that keeps on giving to white people but I was that today was the day that that shit dawned on me
0: I think that that is I started thinking I'm I'm from I grew up in small towns and live in a small town now and so that resonates with me in thinking about where they put these trains and mm -hmm, in the neighborhoods and how these neighborhoods are impacted so
1: oh and let me just add this Mm -hmm. The, the, the oil and the chemicals that come out mm-hmm. that seeps into the ground, which mm-hmm. penetrates the ground water. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And here are people raising kids that are drinking water. It's, it's, again, that's what I'm saying. It's so insidious. It is so insidious. Mm-hmm. And people have the nerve to look at people crazy and say things like reverse racism. Yeah. So anyway, yeah.
0: When you think about, and I wrote down uh, what you said about your superpower also being your kryptonite, what would you say is your superpower?
1: Uh, if I had to today, I would say there's two things. So the my ability to process thoughts um, and then also I'm really sensitive to the needs of others around me, Mm. but then it makes it that easier to one, get stuck in your head and two, to do all the things for everybody else. That's like what I need and want becomes like super, 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 super on the back burner. Mm. So yeah.
0: Kina, you have me in my feels with that statement because I, you know, I think about, which we talked before I pushed record, my grandmother always talking about me being so observant and being a quiet child was one thing. And I really always prided myself in that. I I'm the person that sits when I used to attend church, I'd sit in church and just watch everything. I didn't close my eyes. I'm watching everything. What's going on in here, listening to everything. And I've been that way for so long. I don't know any other way to be. Um, You put me in a crowded room. I'm really not the one talking. I'm observing. I'm listening, (laughs) listening to what you say and what you don't say. And, and then oftentimes people say, oh, you know, they, they would, when people compliment me and they talk about my heart and that I'm a loving person and I'm a giving person and, and all of that's beautiful. We all want to have like compliments like that. Right. But when you're a person that's giving and loving and, and that's how you live your life doing for other people. That's the thing that fucking kills you because there's always somebody to do something for. There's always somebody in need. There's always somebody that needs to be heard. So you're the person listening. You're the person rescuing. You're the person serving. You're the person helping. And oftentimes for us, and I don't mean to assume that you're the same way that I am, but i so I'll just speak for me. It It's left me at a point of wondering well, damn, if I'm doing this for everybody else, who the hell do I call
1: when I need something?
0: Because I'm part. everybody else's person.
1: That part. Yeah. I I, I started this and then I stopped. <laughs> like last year, I was like, you know what? Never mind. It don't even matter. <laughs> like. <laughs> so um, I feel like my life had these time markers where I'm like, oh, this happened in 2016 and this created this. And this happened in this year and this created this. So 2019 was the year that most of my, um, most of my, like the, the developed coping mechanisms, I had stopped working. And I'm still figuring out the language of how to describe this to people. But it's like when you have a lighter that has lost whatever that kerosene is that make it work. And you keep trying to like get the one flame and you're like, come on come on mm-hmm. and it's like no no give up the ghost like it's not going to light and so I had experienced some specific like trauma related to to housing security and um and then that break broke all the other stuff so like my company wouldn't work and I was just like what's going on why can't I be functional? why can't I be happy da 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 so mm-hmm. then that's when I was like, okay, I guess I should do the therapy thing. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd like to say that I started going to therapy because I had just developed and I was like, oh, okay. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I went to, de- I was trying to be functional. What I mm-hmm. love that at one point, if therapy becomes cool for black people, right? And it just becomes trendy. I'm I'm excited about that. <laughs> <because> <laughs> yeah. Then we can stop trauma bonding, but that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. So I started going to therapy in 2019 and it was good, but also like, it's a lot of energy. And so I stopped and then I started back last year. And part of that process, again, revisiting coping mechanism, all that stuff. And I was like, what part of me is me versus what part of me is the coping mechanisms? So for example, I love to like serve people. I tell people, I'm the bridesmaid who's not in the pictures because I was actually like trying to like make sure I maintain like the bride's shoes and her purse and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like. Is that me, me for real or is that like just like how, you know, my personality was shaped and informed by these these the coping mechanisms are, and then I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter now. It doesn't even matter. Like, you know what? It is what it is. So mm-hmm. rather this is, you know, like rather this is made to who I am or who God created me to be, or this is because of the things that you know, because I'm the oldest of five kids. Mm-hmm. My parents split up when I was on the summer of my 13th birthday, and so I have a very i I think it's a unique perspective. Maybe it's not. A lot of people either know what it means to come from like a single parent household or a more traditional one, right? And so I always say, I actually know what both feel like. I know what it feels like when a dad goes to work and a mom stays home, but I also know what it means to like not have an active father and the mom has two jobs and you live in the projects. I have both of those in my peripheral. Mm-hmm. So that means that when you're the oldest of five kid and you're responsible for keeping your siblings alive, like you learn how to take care of people. It's so organic to you. So mm-hmm. I can't, like, honestly Tasha, even now, I'm like, you know what? I don't know if this is just something that i like to do or what, because it feels very fulfilling when I can support people and serve people, right? But there again, it can happen to the extent that it can become, it can create tension and challenges for me. And so, learning how to create those boundaries has been a lot of work, Um, because it's not only do you need the language to be able to express that for yourself, but then you need the language to express that for the people you love, and then you need the frameworks to engage it, you know. And so, I'm like, damn it, it's so exhausting being a functional person. When people say ignorance is bliss. I really get that shit. It is yeah. easier not to know. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. yeah, I mean, it is. It's I mean,
0: it is, it is challenging. And, and I think that, that people who do live in a state of ignorance, I think that they do have it easier.
1: Yeah. Cause you don't see things. And then I was also going to yeah. say this, and then it doesn't help when the way society works you get bonus like you get bonus points for doing the thing that may be harmful so i know we were talking about something before the call Mm -hmm. related to this but like for a woman who puts others before herself the patriarchy is not going to stop that (laughs) the patriarchy is like yes yes completely divorce yourself from your desires (laughs) yeah yeah. stay in the patriarchy, so we so we're going to get rewarded from systems for doing the things that we think may not be good for us. The patriarchy loves for women to feel unsafe because then we do all the things that keep the machine going. You know, say, say more. Okay, so I'll use it as it. it and I like. I'll. I'll like. I want to give a more like specific concrete thing. So the makeup industry, the makeup industry does not need women to feel good about themselves because if it did, if, I mean, if we did, then there would be a loss of market value. You see what I'm saying? Like we need to feel like oh, I want to be affirmed by everybody and right. everybody who sees me, I want them to think I'm beautiful. So I'm going to buy all the things mm-hmm. to keep this going you know what I'm saying? That's one specific industry that needs us to feel insecure. That's what I'm talking about. So we look to men for protection mm-hmm. and for, for a variety of reasons that I'm not going to go into today. Mm-hmm. But then we need to make sure that we get the news that talks all about how many predators or assailants are in our communities so that we can become super hyper vigilant. And so then we rely on these structures for protection. It's similar to policing, right? Most people would say, of course I don't wanna live in a world where police shoot people or kill people or whatever, right? but they also are very much married to the idea that the only way I'm gonna be safe in my neighborhoods is because police exist there. And not realizing that the increase, like the more that police have weapons, Tasha, the more that they get funding, that hasn't made us safer. It's not like, you know, like there've been periods, like after George, like George Bush's first term, there was a significant shape in terms of federal money. There was an increase in federal money to militarize the police. So in 1985, police didn't have like military grade weaponry. That wasn't a thing. Your your police officers, local police officers didn't have access to tanks the way they Mm -hmm. do now. That changed in George Bush's administration, not senior, but son, all right? So police funding from the federal government increases when it comes to those types of like resources. And if you look at the crime rates between then and there, there's no difference, Tasha. It's not like when police got access to tanks, all of a sudden people stopped stealing and people stopped sexually assaulting. That shit didn't change. So no one is more safe because of police, but we're married to the belief that we are. And so because we're married to the abstraction, then nothing changes in our concrete physical world. Speak
0: on it. Speak on it.
1: Dating hasn't become easier because my skincare is better. Right. (laughs) That too. You get what I'm saying? I'm buying the shit. The fancy stuff from Ulta. Yeah. You think? (laughs) I know people are probably going to be like, how did she go from talking about police militarization to lip gloss? But that's how my brain works.
0: Well, because because both industries, no matter what we're talking about, and I say this almost on every podcast, I think, no matter what the issue is, the root of every evil, every problem in this world, it's steeped in white supremacy and patriarchy. Don't
1: so forget no matter, capitalism. Don't forget
0: and capital- capitalism. But 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 that stems from white supremacy and patriarchy, right? It's it's all three. It's they're all linked. They're all interwoven. Yep. They're all, they're, they're married to each other. A little, you know, polyamorous relationship or something.
1: <laughs> the triad, the great triad. The triad,
0: the great triad. <laughs> White supremacy, patriarchy, and capitalism. No matter what issue we are speaking about that plagues this entire world, it's going to be linked to one of those three. Mm-hmm. So, so everything that you said makes sense and and as you were talking you know about law enforcement and even if we're talking about um fat phobia or what whatever the rooty is 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 that 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 it, this is just me kind of thinking out loud it's it's that we need to depend on white people we need to depend on whiteness for survival we need to depend on whiteness for approval
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh and, and as long as we are reliant on whiteness,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then capitalism, <laughs> it continues. And
1: I'll, Yeah, and the triad is still empowered.
0: They're still in power. That's it. That's the whole point of everything. Just like you said, you can give more funding to law enforcement. Crime will still be the same. Mm-hmm. Domestic violence will still persist. Yeah. Okay. Drug abuse, drug addiction, that's still going
1: to happen. Mm-hmm.
0: any because kind of problem you're thinking of yeah
1: because then investment isn't made in people or humanity mm-hmm. the investment is made in machines external and systems that part say that again please <laughs> <laughs> you have to gauge where the investment is being made
0: where is the investment being made
1: and that will show you where you're going to see the rate of return. So, if you're not investing in humans, then you can't see a rate of return, what you're not investing in. You see what I'm saying? So, we give a lot of money to police, like spending and budgets. So, we can see the rate of return. We see more hyperactivity on their part, da 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 because that's where your money is. You get what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. simply put, when I get a paycheck and I just eat snacks, you'll see it in my ass. Like, <laughs> that's where the money's going. Boop, right. boop, boop,
0: boop, boop. But that's also not a bad thing. Yes, continue to go to my ass. Yeah, it, it's fine. It's fine.
1: <laughs> but that you get what I'm saying. Yes. If you come to my house, it will not take somebody long to figure out where is King this spending her money. Yeah, Book, piles of books. Here's a pile. There's a pile. Everywhere a pile. In the bathroom, I bought a, a, a tray. You know why I bought the tray? Because I needed books. I needed a place to put books. <laughs> See? Yeah. So. Look where the money is being spent, and then you're going to see where people's values are. In the state of Louisiana, the state I live in, there are two budgets that are not protected through our state constitution and congressional channels, health care and education. That means that when a budget gets cut, they start there first. You should not be surprised then that our health care system is one of the worst, and our education system is one of the worst. The money's not being spent there. It doesn't take rocket science. That's
0: it, that's it. I wanna talk about one of... Um...
1: Oh, and let me just say this before I forget mm-hmm. this.
0: Yeah.
1: The thing about violent system, the triad that we mentioned before, is people are gonna have to recognize that this doesn't protect me either, mm-hmm. right? Or if you wanna add more dimensions to it, I am both empowered but also disempowered by the same thing. So I tell this to people a lot, particularly white people. Yeah, whiteness is empowering you, but it is also killing you simultaneously.
0: Mm. So, so, before... take... oh, go
1: ahead. <laughs> so I'm just saying, take with that what you will. The patriarchy mm. will empower the penis havers, but mm. simultaneously last time I checked, y'all have the worst life expectancy. These horrible health outcomes. Yeah. So, I mean, I could sit here, eat the whole cheesecake in my refrigerator in one spot. It would be super gratifying. But should I? No. You girls know say, like, that's the thing. Like, the thing that feels good to us can feel good, but simultaneously be bad for us. And that's a whole other conversation when you start talking. <laughs> it is.
0: Gina, I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm like, she got to take this shit on a whole other road because <laughs> because then you got me thinking about um and and I know that so many of uh the uh you and I think other anti-racism educators and and um both you know you guys have talked about how whiteness and white supremacy and patriarchy hurt white people as well. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to them being in control and as a mental health therapist, I'm automatically thinking about, yeah, that control, that power, they have that, right? It's benefiting them, but it's also killing them. And, and, and then they have all of this fear inside, which is why they have, you know, all of these poor health outcomes. Mm-hmm. And they don't know who the fuck they are, no more than we know who we are, right? Thank they, you. Took that, they took that from us, but because they don't know who they are, they're fearful of every fucking body and every fucking thing.
1: Exactly exactly i tell people all the time whiteness is the largest global pyramid scheme it is it ain't real
0: it's not it's not at least
1: least i know but see and oh we're gonna get deep you you force this at the end of the day i would say this was tasha's fault (laughs) because and i I, I, uh this can go either way friend i'll take responsibility for whatever because whiteness is is, is, is abstract and it's not real, but blackness is abstract and it's not real either. End point. So say more start. because
0: I love it. Please okay. say more because I do love it, go ahead.
1: <laughs> okay, so when my ancestors were taken from Africa and bought like from West Africa to somewhere on the Carolina coast, I, I mean, they weren't black. They weren't a part of like this thing, right? They, they came from a tribe someplace and they had a tribal identity. And then they got here and then like that, that that label was created to highlight like a group of people who came from Africa who didn't have a story. And so we all put ourselves under that, like that expression, right? But that was created because that was, a, that was like an orientation that separated us from them. Meanwhile, whiteness is created to oppose blackness. I'll tell people that every day. And so if you want to see an anti-racist world, then you better figure out how to get rid of anti-blackness, but that's a whole nother conversation too. You can't fight the thing that we're fighting if you don't know why it exists. Whiteness only exists to oppose blackness. That was the only reason why it was created in the first place. That's it. And so both are not real, but the difference is we didn't willingly and if people want to come at me, they can actually come at me. They don't have to come to Tasha. Come to me. No, I'm no. if they're, if they're educating themselves, they know that, yeah. that race yeah. was created. Yeah, but if people get wow. mad about it, I'm saying I'm big enough to handle this in the inbox. Because here's the okay. thing. We didn't willingly give up our ancestry, but they did. That's the mm. difference. I didn't come to America and say, hey, take away my African name and give me some shit you made up. But okay. your ancestors did. And that's yeah, the difference. That's they the difference. willingly subscribe to whiteness. That's it. And I mean, I get why I guess fundamentally, if you're told that your last name that has five syllables is too much for the American tongue, why you would exchange that for whatever you did at Ellis Island. But it's still not the same. Y'all willingly decided to take on whiteness to like to to become whatever this abstraction of american dream is we never had a chance to and to live your whole life based on a lie it's similar like if you've ever seen a woman who's with a man that you know she got on the wrong way right Mm -hmm. and so when other women are around she kind of holds them tight (laughs) and you're like girl don't you worry ain't nobody trying to steal Nobody want him (laughs) No, nobody want him, right? But she's like holding him tight and you, girl, no. That's how white people are. They know that the shit is false. At least they have some sense that it ain't real. And so that's why they work even harder to like try to make us all believe the lie because they have to believe the lie. And the minute you stop believing the lie, you realize, oh shit, this is a house of cards. Mm -hmm. And so you it's like you have to make a choice. Do you keep fueling that or do you decide to divorce yourself from that? But then that brings the existential crisis that people aren't handling. You know what I'm saying? And so even when we talk about this racial reckoning that didn't happen in 2020 and people some people act surprised. I'm not shocked. Right. Because first of all, Y'all walk around acting like y'all defined racism in the first place. You know, you probably have heard me say this. I joke about it. Like, did you, how did you find out racism was real? Did you get an email? Did they send you a letter? What? Because that's when y'all decided that it was real for the first time. So, I mean, that's the first place you effed up is that you, you hear what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're yeah. talking about this, like, oh, this is brand new to us. Are you kidding me? But the second component here is then it becomes an intellectual endeavor. And so I want to provide a little distinction. I understand why people see me as an anti-racist educator, but I always tell people, actually, I'm having a different, it's a similar conversation, but it's a little different. And this is it. To, to do anti-racism work, which is super important, Tasha. So I want to say this, say this, and say this, say this. People should do anti-racism work. They should follow anti-racism educators. We know some lovely ones, all right? But that is intellectual. That's an intellectual endeavor. Uh-huh. And most, more importantly, it's transactional. So this is why white people are like, I'm not racist because I read the book. I listened to the podcast. I'm subscribed to Letty's Patreon, right? Oh, that is head work. When are you gonna let that shit get in your body and your spirit? And that's why 2020 produced the shit it didn't produce because people did it intellectually. But the minute that stuff started to like seek into other parts and the minute there's that moment of existential crisis, they were like, oh hell no, I'm not doing this. Never mind. Let's go back to the lie. The lie, <laughs> the lie is easier. <laughs> Woo! there was a moment that i forgot who i was i wasn't sure about it never mind so that's what i'm saying i get the desire to not want to have the existential crisis but that leaves you again your whole life is still like rooted in something that's not real and rather we're talking about business relationships whatever it is if it's not real like the old folks would say the blood will tell Eventually, the truth is going to reveal itself. You just have to decide if you're ready to hold it.
0: Mm. That's it. That's it. And and when you get ready to hold it, you got to be willing to destroy everything that's not real. Yep. And what does that, what are you willing to lose? Because you're going to lose some shit.
1: And that's what gets people spooked because they're like, "Oh, oh, hell no.
0: Yeah. What are you willing to lose? You're going to lose some relationships, right? You might, you might lose some income depending on what you do for a living.
1: You might have to change the schools your kids go to.
0: You might have
1: to change the schools you go
0: to. You might have to have some hard conversations in your family at the dinner table. What are you willing to lose? And if you're not willing to lose anything, then you intellectualizing this anti-racism shit, it doesn't mean anything.
1: It don't. So that's what I'm saying. So when I'm, especially white people, when I'm like, they're like, oh, I voted for Obama twice and I voted for Biden and I I do all these things. I'm like, these are checkoffs. Like these are, that don't make a difference for me. Find me when you have when you've left the island of, I feel good about it. And when you're ready, To park your car in the parking lot, car. I don't know what the hell is happening. Find me there, cause there we can start doing some work. Because there you're, you're like everything is unravelled. This is what's interesting about twenty year olds, right? And I tell people all the time, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a therapist, so this is just some shit from my brain. But -hmm. what I would love people to call the period between eighteen and twenty five is just like aggravated adolescence, Mm -hmm. right? because you turn 18 your brain is still like it's hard set it's like jello so it's hard set (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like (laughs) but everyone's saying you're grown you're grown and you're like okay and then a lot of that feels like or seems like this means that nobody can tell me what to do Mm -hmm. and then you feeling yourself because you still don't know a lot of shit but apparently the streets say that i ought to so then there's this moment where you're just like, I'm making grown-up decisions. They're not mm-hmm. really information-based. I'm not seeking wisdom, right? And so that's fine. That's that's part of development. I always tell people 25 and 26, right? That's when you're like, you wake up one day, you're like, oh, hell no.
0: That's true. Yeah.
1: I don't know anything. <laughs> right? And that's where you can start growing. You get what I'm saying? So I'm making the parallel. As long as you think you know all the things, then you can't really do the work. But when you get to this place of intellectual humility, when you are like, shit, I don't know anything. This is when you can clean up your credit because you're like, damn it. I got five credit cards just so I could buy fancy shoes that I don't own. You see what I'm saying? And that's, like I said, it's murky, but there is where true wisdom can come. But as long as you refuse to wreck, like, as long, as sp- specifically, as long as white people want to stay certain of the things that they think are true, they can never get to that humility place of, I don't know the things. Mm-hmm. But that's a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Because then you're not, you're, you're not, then you're not building your house on sand, Tasha.
0: You're preaching, Keena. I love it.
1: I, know, I love I it. I'm worked up.
0: That's it. That's it. I want to go back to, um, and I think that although we haven't named it, we've been having this whole conversation about what it looks like to invest in whiteness. Mm-hmm. You, for, for people that don't understand investing in whiteness or divesting from whiteness, can you give some examples of what society looks like when we invest in whiteness, just more tangible, you know, examples. And what does it look like when we finally divest from this thing that's really killing us and has and has been
1: killing us. It seems like the question you just asked me should be easily answered. Um, but this is how, you know, I'm seven. It's loaded though. It is loaded. White is, yeah. And I, you know, I, I'll go all up around the river bed before I Put my my you know the, my swimming line out. So I'm not gonna answer your question, but I'm gonna answer your question. Okay, mm-hmm. Be, like that's it. That's where we are. Mm-hmm. In 2016, there were a lot of things that happened, but for the most part, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna stop subscribing to white That's what I told myself. I was like, "It ain't, it ain't working the way." I, thought it was, gonna... <laughs> I was like. <laughs> Like, this is not yielding the results <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> I yeah. was like I think I think my time with it is is over mm-hmm. and I guess I don't want to take this out of context but maybe it'd be helpful for people to understand why wh- what are the three things that made me do that so I had just started teaching at like the, um, the like, we call it our flagship university here in Louisiana. So I had just taken a new job. I was the first full-time faculty member in that black faculty member in that department. Uh, I had moved to a city where Al- Alton Sterling had just been murdered. And so I always tell people, it's one thing to witness state sanctioned murder on the news It's another thing to live in the community that experiences that trauma, right? So I had moved. I'm living where not to like five minutes away from me. I'm at the site of where a black man was killed and Bill Cosby gets indicted. So let me also say this. Bill Cosby is a sexual assailant and he is, he has done violent crimes. So I just, I don't want anyone to get confused. Okay. Mm -hmm. I am not. An apologetics or whatever the term people use. Mm-hmm. But this is what dawned on me. And this is really specific, I think, to, like, I don't want to say it's, I think all Black people can relate to this, but the, the Black person who can most relate to this is what I would call magical Negroes. Mm-hmm. It's the, the, the one, it's the us that are the only or the first. So when you're the only Black person in the C-suite in your company, or you're one of two black people who's working at your office. All right. Tasha, that shit is not accidental. Mm-hmm. And and that's a side note. Like, so like let's mm-hmm. take an aside. When when people who do talent acquisition, 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 acquisition at an organization say there's just not enough talent in a pipeline, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. white supremacy needs that to be the case because as long as I'm the only one like me in the office one it makes me feel like y'all chose me so I'm special until mm-hmm. I can't work collaboratively with other people to see the violence that's in front of me so there's that part mm-hmm. so I look at Bill Cosby and again I want to be real real careful and if there's anything you want to call me insist you can I give you my permission Mm-hmm. But I'm also thinking about all the other people and how who've done the crimes he's done. You know, like for example, Seventh Heaven, the guy who was a pastor, Pastor Cameron, whatever, Seventh Heaven. Yeah, mm-hmm. big time, not only like sexual violence, but pedophilia. All right. Mm-hmm. So like all of these different things. And I was like, Bill Cosby, who was on brand, the biggest ambassador of black respectability politics. Mm-hmm. Baby, they didn't hung him out to dry. And so it's those three things that made me just say, Oh yeah, I'm out. Mm-hmm. If the whitest black man in America, when it's all said and done, you got you still got treated like what you are. Yeah. The gig is up. So I was like, oh, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, I wasn't even doing it well. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I had started. So here's the thing. Prior to Trayvon Martin, I tell people that again, these markers in my life, I was talking about race in classrooms, but it's like the mom who put spinach in a brownie mix. I just didn't do it overtly. You know what I'm saying? I was just like hinting at institutional racism. I, I didn't have these candid conversations. It was all on the low. And then Trayvon Martin was murdered. And I was like, no, we can't afford to play this game. So I became more explicit in my communication. And then when Sandra Bland was murdered, I became more explicit in my communication. So every state sanctioned murder of a Black person made me more and more explicit in my communication. So at the same time, I'm getting evaluations from students that say things way too political, too sassy in the classroom. That's a nice way for white people to be like, you're an angry black woman, but I know enough to know I can't put that on this paper. Yeah. yeah. So I so, was like, I'm not doing whiteness very well. It doesn't really mm-hmm. serve me. I'm gonna stop it. And that's where my journey mm-hmm. started. And so what I say is whiteness is a system that preferences the values, the norms of European ancestry that reinforces Mm -hmm. this racial hierarchy. Right. Yeah. And so the epitome for anyone like not investing, is it is because that racial hierarchy is false and it puts a lot of pressure. And I know that. Again, outside of context, this is going to come out bad, but I feel bad for white men who can't white men well. Right. You know what I mean by that. I need you you to tell
0: me more. Who's not white? White white men and well.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of white guys who care white men well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Be powerful. Be assertive. Dominate the industry. Have all the women. Maybe married to one, but can still have sex with a lot of them. Can't Mm -hmm. be queer or gay. I mean, all of the dimensions of like living with the, that whole mythology. A lot of white guys mm-hmm. can't do the thing, right? Mm-hmm. They can't buy the biggest house, all the things that they're supposed to be doing. And so mm-hmm. again, it goes back to like, even white people can't perform all the things that whiteness insists because whiteness insists that you can't make mistakes. And if you do fail, you gotta bury the, you gotta bury the failure and then bury the people who might've witnessed the failure. Yeah. What does it mean to live in a world where you're not even allowed to make mistakes? That's what whiteness Mm. tells folks, you know? Well,
0: here's what's coming to mind when I ask the question about what does it mean to invest and what does it mean to divest? I'll give an example for listeners who may be a little bit lost in the conversation. Yes. I remember, I'm sure there were other awakenings, but I, I remember when I really knew, oh, I have invested in whiteness. Here's how, I was working for the military and I was talking to some white folks that were active duty military. And that's not really important to the story, but, but just in my visualization and them looking at me and these two white girls, women, young women, saying to me, Ms. Hunter, we like you because you're not like other black people. And, and I stood there kind of like, in shock. And I said, oh, they're racist. And I said, and I said to them, I said, what, y'all, what do y'all mean? Well, you talk different and you're so nice. And we can just say anything. and We can just talk about all kinds of stuff. And you're just not like other black people that, that we've met. And, and that's when I knew, I said, oh, they damn racist. And I never had another conversation with those two people. Because what I understood is I had subscribed to whiteness because even in my own mind, not that they knew it, but I had subscribed to, if I graduate from high school, I go to college and I get all the degrees, I've got five college degrees. If if I work and I have my own home and, and I get married, and I do all the things and I keep my yard real nice and manicured, and I have a nice, you know, and all if I do all the things and I stay out of trouble, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then I'm like, I'm 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 one of the good black people, you know, I'm not a problem, yep. I'm not causing any issues. Yep. And th- this was whew, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago or something. I don't remember. I mean, it was a long time ago. But that I remember thinking. Oh, I've I've really gotten myself fucked up because no matter what I do, I'm not really that respected, right? I'm a, they still see me and my blackness as separate. That part, that part. That and part. I think that that a part of divesting from whiteness is is recognizing who you are and who you are and how white people see you and 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 not trying to continue to be. The, the good, you know, the good Negro.
1: But you know, see, yet- I'm going to take it back to white people because that's the thing. They're not even being like who they are.
0: They're not. They're not.
1: I tell white women in particular, I don't really have a lot of audience with white men, mm-hmm. but I tell white women in particular, you won't even know what it means to have a real friendship until you figure out how to get out of whiteness. Because intimacy and whiteness is informed by status power and hierarchy
0: damn that's good Tina. you
1: want to know why hillary clinton couldn't become president let's start there let's start there beyond just the political like peripheral shit because that was a part of it but another oh. thing is why women weren't standing for hillary and that shit had nothing to do with politics you know what i'm saying like so this is why it doesn't surprise me that when a white person starts their anti-racism journey, they are drawn to black and brown people because they're like, oh my gosh, you all know how to have authentic relationships. How do I do that? How do I have that?
0: And I've seen that so many times. And, and also I think that that's why we, they love us because we do know how to have authentic relationships. You don't have to be any different. You don't got to be way a uh, you know, a, a buck five. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't have to have a have to amount of money. You don't have to
1: live on that side of town. You no. don't have to carry that type of purse. You don't have don't to, have none, to have
0: none that. of that. We don't yep. give a shit where you live. Yeah. What kind of purse you're carrying. None mm-hmm. of that shit matters. If you are successful yep. on your damn keto diet or whatever the hell, exactly. we do not care because we exactly. black people, we're going to love you. Yeah. As much as, we know how to,
1: as much as we know how to love outside of trauma bonding, but that's another this topic. Is, that's another topic, right? <laughs> that's another topic. But
0: we know yeah. how to have authentic relationships.
1: Yeah. And so that's yeah. part yeah. of the, if we had to sell reasons why people should divest, that's one of them to actually yeah. have intimacy that's not based off of power and status and hierarchy. Because that's all whiteness is going to offer you. The next thing I will say is divesting from whiteness is about recognizing what feels good versus what gets you rewarded. Because those are two different things. Mm -hmm. It feels good for me to be able to say, no, I don't want to do that at work. It feels good for me to be able to say, no, I'm not going to do 50 things this week because I only have the capacity to do three. Mm. But whiteness doesn't reward that because again, you have to stay on that treadmill of performance and producing and performance and producing. You can't tell people you're broken. You can't tell people you're frustrated. Hell, you can't even tell people you're pregnant. You sitting here hiding pictures of your family because you don't want your boss to know that you have a family because you're trying to make it up, 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 up the ladder. Come on now. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. Like the whole thing is so destructive to humanity in general. Now I'm gonna say this part too. Find me, don't find Tasha. Let's talk about this concept of colored time, okay? Mm-hmm. So I know you grew up here and are oh, we on CP time because that we means That's we it. on CP time. I say, nope, 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 nope. Unfortunately, what happened with colonial, pro- well, we, we are, there's a multitude of colonial projects, but the colonialism in general, right? Created linear time. So guess what? Linear time is some shit white people made up. Our ancestors, the people of the global majority, recognize that time is fluid, multidimensional. We existed both in the future, past, present, all at once. Full stop. And so linear time, just like this concept of like binaries, that shit is fake too. N- most things in life are not either or, right? And yeah, that's... Like, f- this is like five different conversations, right? This I feel is like, like I, need
0: that, I need a joint to, you like, know, you know, deep, I, know. Deep.
1: I know, I know. I took it to the left, but I'm just saying, like, this is why people have a hard time understanding two-spirit folks or people who are like, you know, non-binary because people are like, no, you have to be either this or that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Since millennia, people have existed in the middle of things. Mm. right but I want to go back to linear time so the colonizer came and said linear time exists and everyone has this is our new time orientation so they created that okay fine but who doesn't need to live in a world where I get to say hey Tasha I know we were scheduled to meet at 7 p.m but I can't do 7 p.m and then I don't get to feel guilty because I can't do 7 p.m but linear time creates that There's no room for margin and there's no room for failure. So just be there at seven or everyone's gonna think you're a bad person. Yeah. When really the time of the global majority is the time that recognizes all of the fractionists that comes with humanity. So I'm just saying all these things that have been manifested because of whiteness and supremacy culture and colonialism, is not good for anybody, anybody.
0: Hey man, this conversation is so good. Are you at all working on a book? Like, are you, cause I'll read whatever you put out. Are you working on a book right Just let, just let the listeners know. Like...
1: It exists in my brain. I mean, hopefully one day we'll make it out. <laughs> yes,
0: you should, you should. You know, it's but so I tell good. you
1: what, if I wrote a book tomorrow, it would be called, I'm not gonna let these white people kill me. So there's that. Yes. <laughs> and I recommend that everybody make that their new life model. Everybody, including white people. I have white friends and I'm like, you know, and they'd be like, can't let these white people kill me. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's it. That's it. So here's some fun questions. Okay. If you're listening to music and you want to move your body. What are you listening to?
1: <sighs> I mean, but what is the source of the movement though? Because you know, before we got on this podcast, I was like, Let's listen to Nut If You But. So it depends. Like <laughs> the safe general option is i'm probably gonna put on beyonce okay beyonce will make me move and i love beyonce because beyonce is such a great example of like seeing someone evolve right who was i talking to i don't know oh no listen i don't know if you saw that thread if you didn't see it i'm gonna send it to you tonight so when Mm -hmm. steve steph curry parents announced their divorce Mm -hmm. did you i mean you know who Steph curry is right i do i didn't know that i didn't know that that happened oh so then you okay i'm gonna have to send you the the twitter thread Mm -hmm. so like that like daddy curry i don't know what steph curry's dad's name is but they call him daddy curry they've been Mm -hmm. married the parents have been married for a very long time so someone Mm -hmm. made a twitter thread that's like daddy curry you don't want to be out here in these streets basically talking about dating and it was Mm -hmm. like these women have been raised on rihanna and uh what did it say Rihanna and I don't know it was just a whole thread but one of them mm-hmm. was like nah they be listening lemonade you know <laughs> like, like, basically like look daddy carry one person is like unless you want to drink turmeric and go to yoga like these streets ain't the same streets you left you know <laughs> yeah, so
0: yeah
1: so I always say like, like Beyonce is a great, like she shows like an evolution of a person. You know what I'm saying? Like Lemonade Beyonce is very different than like all my ladies. If you hear me, Beyonce. That's so yes, it. That's Beyonce it. makes move. That answers your question. Beyonce. Yeah.
0: Who or what makes you laugh?
1: Oh, gosh. Oh. I would say like my nieces and nephews, like their innocence and their playfulness and their perspectives. Like this is such a horrible conversation I have out loud, but I'm just going to keep it real. Like my cousin, like uh, my oldest nephew has been sick this week. And so yesterday I called him. I was like, did you poop today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my little niece, you this nephew, you've seen, you've seen him in the car with me, mm-hmm. right? In the back backseat, so yeah. Yeah, and so then my niece, she's like, I pooped three times. <laughs> <laughs> and she was so <laughs> and oh. something she-, something she talks about, yeah, and I did it after canteen and everybody smelled it. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> so yes, they make me laugh. My nieces and nephews, they make me laugh. Who or
0: what inspires you?
1: Black women no hesitation i tell people if you don't have black women in your life like you are missing out like mm-hmm. you are missing out because i have days that are so hard and being human is hard tasha like it's hard no matter what it's just impacted by all these violent systems that humans have created right but i will get on the phone and talk to you or another black woman and it's like everything changes and i'm just like why are we the least protected species on earth? Because we're like the closest thing to God on this side of heaven. Everybody should have a black friend and not a fake black friend. And that's a whole nother conversation. Cause you know, I always tell white people you think you got a black friend, but do you? If your black friend doesn't call you and be like, let me tell you about these white people. then you probably don't have a black friend. You ain't got a
0: black friend. If, they, if they're not comfortable having that conversation. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: If you, if for any <laughs> white person listening, if yes. you have a black person that you call friend, but they're not talking to you about racism and calling out whiteness, you don't have a black friend. You got a you black
1: Yeah, that part. You don't got a black friend. If your black friend white person who's listening to this podcast episode doesn't call you and be like, "Girl, let me tell you what that white lady did at the store." You don't got a black friend. Yes. yes. Cuz I regularly call my white friends and be like, "Ooh, let me tell you what that white lady just did.
0: Every, every white person that I am friends with right now has heard me say several times, I had sworn off white folks. I was so disgusted by, by certain aspects of, of whiteness and, and white supremacy. Well, not certain, all aspects, actually. And I just decided I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm done. Yes, you need a white people and, book. But but then they like they keep white women they just keep sneaking into my life
1: they just keep you know I've been told I am a, a white people whisperer so you know I, I mean I get it I get it uh, yeah I have a really good friend Noel for the sake of the story I'm going to tell you why she's white people shouldn't walk around saying their friends racial or ethnic identities let me put that mm-hmm. as a general practice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so we went and saw a movie together. I'm not going to hate on the movie because it was written and directed by a Black woman. Uh But after the movie, Noelle was like, oh, so was it good? I was like, not that much. And she's like, how? I mean, I was like, we still plan on going to lunch together after this. Uh I was like, if this movie was good, I wouldn't be able to talk to you for two or three days. (laughs) You know, I would need a white people break. But I don't need a white people break. We're going to lunch. So, but that lets yeah. you know how impactful that movie was so yeah I mean yeah there's a lot of dimensions but you yeah. I always say that the the grander project is to have shared humanity Tasha and we can't get to shared humanity as long as we're uh we're keep investing in these violent systems that really mm-hmm. again reinforce superiority and hierarchy and that's just mm-hmm. not whiteness and white supremacy. Again, that's capitalism. It's the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. The, tri- the you know the triad that we talked about. Mm-hmm. It is keeping us from manifesting something that could be so much greater. The, whatever we have, I always tell people: whatever this current iteration of humanity is, it only works for twelve of us.
0: Mm. For people that want to connect with you, find you on on these internets. Can you tell people I mean, how to find you?
1: Will they want to connect with me after
0: all the shit I said on this episode? Oh, they will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're like, "Who was that person? tasha your hand on that shoulder." Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: so they can find me. I guess I'm starting to plug my own podcast. So, Divesting from Whiteness, the podcast is going to premiere sometime this month. So, yay! Uh, it's lived in my brain for a while. That's how things are for me. They live up here. So, will I write a book one day? Probably yes, but it will live in my brain for a long time before it manifests. Mm-hmm um they can find me at let me be very specific because i've started to do this if you are a, a white person in particular who is willing to critique and really question what white identity is you can find me at divesting from whiteness okay that's my platform um And I say that because I'm not for everybody. Everybody who's white can't do that work. They're not ready for it. And I'm realizing that. And I'm comfortable telling people that. If you're not ready to have the conversation beyond the brain, you're not ready to start having that in your heart and your body, then probably shouldn't talk to me. And then there's the anti-Blackness reader. But I always tell people, here's a caveat. I have all types of people who follow the anti-Blackness reader, Tasha but the shit Mm -hmm. was created for black people and it exists for black people. And so I tell Mm. people who are not black, you are a guest. How do you act as a guest in someone's house? You don't take your shoes off and plop your feet up on the kitchen table, period. You know, so you can find me there too. If you can follow the norms of the, of the space. Yeah. i mean and uh i have a patreon community that's where i do education and have conversations and consultancies so yeah i'm out here in the streets i have a website i can spell it
0: yeah
1: (laughs) no put it in the show notes just put it in the show notes
0: i will i'll I'll make sure all your info is in the show notes thank you so much for being on my podcast
1: thank Um, you for trusting me to be on your podcast
0: Yeah, this this uh, conversation, I didn't know how much I needed it, but you know how much I needed it. Like it's made my day today. So I appreciate it.
1: That's what we do. We do that. Black people, (laughs) well, specifically black women like that, 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 that energy. Wow. Here's another thing. Let's say this last thing. I always tell people if we want to solve all of the problems in the United States, I'm not saying the world. But all of the problems in the United States, you need these two things. 13 black women in 62 days. Don't ask me how I created the formula. 13 black women, 62 days, everything is fixed. All the things.
0: I like that kind of math. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. All right, thank you so much, Keena. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at TashaHunterLCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time.